It is Locked on Jazz for the 1st of November. The Jazz are 6-2. and two. They won offensively in a different manner than we've seen before. Defensively, the effort was real. Winning begets winning. Lowry Markkinen's a stud. And we're talking about it all. Coming up on Locked on Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen of the day. We are free. We are available on every podcasting app that's out there. We appreciate you taking the time. Five-star reviews are much appreciated. Subscribing or following is more appreciated. And on YouTube, if you want to put in a little thing that notifies you whenever we go live or post an episode, that'd be great. Trying to fix the camera. Um, I want to start with a few different kind of slightly different items today, uh, if I could. So we'll see how this goes. This is the kind of the first time I've talked. Um, I feel fine. Uh, swallowing is maybe the least pleasant thing I've I've had to do. Uh, I've never had strep throat before, um, but I just got strep throat, so I missed the game last night. So I listened to Scotty in the third quarter. I was part of the Rot Gang. I did radio over TV, um, which actually using SiriusXM, which is expensive, and I subscribe because I'm a play-by-play junkie and love SiriusXM. Um, and so I just listen to play by play all the time using Sirius XM and my mobile phone was super easy, uh, because radio was so far behind on the TV. So if anyone's ever interested in doing it, I did it last night for the whole third quarter. Um, Scotty did a great job, fun game. And, uh, that pace was real and he kept up. He did a great job. Uh, so anyway, I was, uh, but that's, that was doable. Uh, I also want to tip the hat to the. TV crew, um, I don't. I watch them a lot in the sense that I download their games, but I'm not really watching in real time. It's a different watch. Um, so I just thought that uh, Nathan Harker in the pregame show, I've never seen that before. Uh, they, I thought they did a great job with kind of on-court, on-floor analysis, off-floor fun, um, and, a, and a great work by, by Bowler, Travis, and Holly. Nothing you guys – or Tr- Thurl. Travis is the producer. Um, nothing you guys didn't already know, but just really um, – it was, it was interesting – um, and then I, for those of you who humored me by interacting with me on Twitter, that was awfully nice of you because I was awfully lonely and um, wishing I love some of the questions. Uh, wonder if play-by-play is going on in my head. My wife said, tell them always, everywhere we go, at every minute of everything we do, um, which is pretty true. Because like, I'm the guy who goes out for dinner and then I'll be like, you know, this couple over there, I think da, 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 and I'll have made up their entire lives um, and what's going on with them. So, All right, we're six and the Jazz are six and two. With wins over Denver, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Memphis twice. Pretty incredible. Um, I took the time last night to text people in the league that I know well, that I thought would give me an answer, who would feel sorry for me that I wasn't working, and would notice my text because um, it came in during a game, and they'd be like, what? So here's what... A bunch of people 
said, assistant coach in the NBA. They have a group of guys who seem to be having fun playing together. The ball is moving and they're making threes. Their defense isn't very good, but they're, the way the ball moves and the threes are going in, they will win games. How many, who knows, but they're competitive. Um, talked about their team for a little bit, so that's it. Hope you feel better. Okay, that was one. Um, let's see. Um, um, I don't know, but if you really want to be at the bottom of the race, you're going to have to do some significant remodeling. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, was that assistant coach in the NBA. Um, one thing one of the guys and I went back and forth and looked at, and he was, ta- he was talking about clutch play. And the Jazz having a 77% assist rate in clutch play this year. And let me see if I can get the last one here. Um, this one was simple. Space, pace, threes, and switching D. And then it's the formula of how you win, and they have a lot of good players to do it. So those are the different points of view from kind of around the league. Um, obviously, the start is opening eyes. Last night was the best performance of the year by, I think, a good margin. You know, a lot of these other things is we keep winning one-possession games where the one possession goes your way, and, you know, you win overtime games, that, that easily can go the other way. We just had, had every single one of them go our way. So you're 5-2. and two. Last night was just an ass-kicking. And even when Memphis came with all their junk in third quarter, and Scotty was describing it well, that Memphis was trying to mess up the game and, and get it funky, um, you know, they held their own and answered. It got down to 10. This kind of continually has happened throughout the eight games where it gets down to 10 or it gets down to something. And you're like, all right, well, this is this is not good. This is, this is where we fall apart. And then we don't. Um... And that's, there's something in there that's a collective belief. I thought some interesting little notes on this one. The offense was really good in both games. Um, and this is an offensive team. Though it's not, you know, we dig into the stats on some of this stuff and it's not like overwhelming right now. Like, um, you know, we've won a lot of close games. So our differential is not quite what our win total is. But like right now, we're 14th offensively and 8th defensively, which is how you get to be 6-2. and two. We have the ninth best differential in the NBA. Um, you know, we're, on, we're losing the turnover offensive battle and we're losing the defensive rebounding battle. And otherwise, we're winning everything else. Um, but I thought what was interesting is in the first game against Memphis, we really won the game by being in transition. We were in transition a lot, uh, and we were really great at it. Like, really great at it. Um, on the 29th, we were in transition 18.9% of the time and scored 1.6 points per transition. Okay, that's a lot of transition to be in, 19%. Memphis was in the same. That game was full transition. And 1.6 points is incredible. We were 1.7 points off a of steal, 1.7 points off a of live rebound. We were really, We were really incredible. And our half-court offense was a little bit above average. Probably, you know, good enough to win with that combination. Last night, the we were only in transition 13% of the time. We were putrid in transition. We scored 0.38 points per transition. So whatever transition game we had going the night before was absolutely non-existent the next night. One, it wasn't as active. And two, it wasn't good. Um, 
We did not score off a live rebound all game, according to Cleaning the Glass, which is hard to believe. And we really didn't do much off steals. Yet in the half court, the Jazz were brilliant. Did an offensive rebound a great deal. Had a 95th percentile half court game at a 114.1 offensive rating. That's Those are little signs of a good basketball team. When you're winning a game on in a different manner night to night. Um, that that's that was super interesting. Um, and that's those are good signs. There's some indicators that I had before the Memphis games that the that the floor was about to drop out. Those might be going away. Um they really are playing well. Offensively when I watch us, I tried to watch really closely last night. Not having to follow the ball it makes it a lot easier to watch. So what I noticed was a five-out offense, space, definitely into the offense quickly, as best we can. And then what's interesting is one of the problems with five-out is there's not a lot of room for everybody. If you just think about it, if you've got five guys around the perimeter, there's not a lot of room. And when there's not a lot of room, then it's really hard to have spacing. We're somehow playing five-out with seemingly everyone moving at all times. Or at least on the verge of movement. We love to slash the slot guy. So if there's three guys on the left side, the middle guy slashes. Um, and we run some pretty interesting, like, just flow action out of that that gets hard to guard as the possession goes on, as the ball keeps moving and guys keep moving. You make a mistake, we're finding it. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty fun to watch. There was a stretch last night in the first quarter, or no, third quarter, fourth quarter. Uh, Colin, uh, I'd have to look. Conley and Marketing were on the floor together. We ran the same play five times in a row, which was really interesting because I didn't actually think we would do something like that. Um, so we ran the same play five times in a row. Running the same play five times in a row... Um, the play was open side pick and roll for Mike Conley, Lowry Marketing, and we had three shooters spaced on the far side. And we ran that play five times in a row and got five different results out of it. So this isn't great offensive variety, but it tells you that the way the guys are playing has a lot of offensive variety to it. So the first one, marketing caught the roll, threw it away for a turnover. The next one, marketing kicked it out, and I'd have to go find this sequence exactly, so just give me a little leeway. Um, and I think Beasley hits the three. The next time, marketing pops to the left corner and hits a three. The next time, I think Sexton might have hit the first three. The next time, Beasley hits a three. Suddenly, we've got you know nine points off this sequence of the same play every time. In three plays uh, or four plays, it's pretty good, pretty good rate. And then the fifth time, I think Conley hits a three from the top. So it was pretty interesting to see us run this sequence, um, and understand that we can run the same play every time out of the exact same set, and end up with a different result from it every time. That's pretty wild. 
I'm excited to go ask the coaches um, today about that. Um, unless the, unless I'm the plagued person. Um, so that I thought that was cool. All right. Uh, we'll see if we last the whole show right now. This is pretty sore. Uh, I got to save my voice for tomorrow. Um, this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz. Thank you very much for tuning in. For your second listen today, go listen to Locked on Sports Today, your 22-minute breakdown of all things uh, in the sports world, giving you a full recap of the day. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, if you're looking for a car right now, good time of year to go get it. Then feel free to reach out to me, please, and have us uh, set you up with your VIP meeting over at Murdoch. We just did that recently for a bunch of people. Uh, whether it's in Linden, whether it's in Logan, or whether it's at 4646, we can get Cam and Jake uh, to set you up. And um, whew, and have you uh, get set up for your car and everything about it. Uh, the Hyundai, absolutely fabulous. I think I told the story about the Palisade at the uh, gym here at Park City, um, the, the wife has the Palisade, the husband has the Range Rover. The husband always wants to drive the Palisade because it's a nicer car. Um, but that's what you get. You get all the nicer bells, whistles, everything you want out of a Hyundai uh, with the absolute, uh, for the best money, dollar, uh, dollar, best dollar, money, dollar, dollar, whoa. Brain's not fully functioning, evidently. Just go to Murdoch Hyundai. Email me first at DLock09 and we'll take care of you. Uh, and this is probably what the Jazz should do uh, and Lockdown should do after this performance today. And that is go to LinkedIn and post their job to help find the right people for their team faster and for free. Then add your job in the purple uh, hiring hash frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screenings, questions make it easy to focus on candidates and just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's a small way businesses rate LinkedIn. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn the number one in delivering quality hires to leading competitors. LinkedIn helps you find qualified candidates for you to want to talk faster. Talk faster? Talk to faster. Come on, David. Post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn.com slash locked on. Post your job for free. Unless you're my employer, then please don't post it right now. Wow. All right. Um, making myself nervous about whether what I'm going to do next for my next act of making a fool of myself. Um, all right. I think I have notes somewhere. Lots of them. I actually have lots of notes today. Um, defensively. So... There's really no reason why we should be any good defensively. If we're really honest, we don't have a rim defender. We don't have elite athletes. We're long. We're super, super long. Um, and we're pretty good. And we're pretty good defensively out of an incredible collective effort to help. We're doing some things great. We defend the shot brilliantly. We'll dig into that a little bit more. We're 10th best in the league defending the shot. We're third best in league at forcing turnovers, and we don't foul a lot. I know that seems crazy, but we are not putting people at the foul line at an alarming rate because we foul a ton because we're so aggressive. What's interesting is what we had been doing is allowing an inordinate amount of shots at the rim. Um, we allowing 38% of all shots at the rim. The league average is 34. And that's been 
Um, that's been a super high number. What we are not allowing at all is threes. We are being very fortunate right now in three-point shooting defense. A um, little less than we were earlier, but we're at 34%. But that's this is where I said there were a bunch of numbers where the ceiling, or the floor is about to drop out on us that have now actually stabilized. One of them was earlier this year, teams were just not shooting threes well against us. Well, that, that that's luck. It's just small sample size luck. Now we have a combination of where teams are shooting 34% from three against us. League average is 36. If you're inside two percentage points, totally legit. Impossible. But more importantly, we're not allowing threes. This is where Will Hardy's really smart. So the chances of our team being able to deny the rim with this roster, pretty limited. But we can deny threes. You really, at this point in the NBA, have to make a choice. Washington's the only team that's seemingly not making the choice. So, for example, Miami's the third best team in the league at denying the three, and they're 29th in the league at denying threes. Milwaukee and is fifth best at denying the rim and second best at denying threes. Pretty interesting. Now, they also have are playing huge and playing Portis and Giannis. But mostly, as you, time goes on, San Antonio's number one denying, team denying threes. They're last in the league at denying the rim. Most of the team, Boston's fourth in the league at both, actually. So there's a few teams doing both right now, which is really, really good, but not regular. Cleveland's fifth best at denying threes, 21st best at denying the rim. I don't think we're going to be able to deny the rim. Now, last night, what's interesting is the night before, Memphis only took 15 shots at the rim the whole night. Um, they shot 80% of the rim, which is in the 83rd, 93rd percentile. Last night, they got to the rim a ton. But they got to the rim at 43% of the time, which is elite. But we swarmed and had guys there suffocating them every time they got to the rim. And there were so many bodies on them last night. And they only went 21 of 37. They did get eight shooting fouls. So it's a little misleading. 21 of 37 at the rim which is only 57%, which is in the 23rd percentile. Simultaneously, they only went 6 of 26 from 3. We win last night, or they win, Jazz win last night, largely on their 13-point, 3-point shooting differential. But the defense truly swarmed um, uh, truly, truly swarmed uh, in every way, shape, or form. Uh on on the on the ball, they they were they were truly great, and all over the place last night defensively. I thought that was the effort level was great. The next thing we have going on with this team that I think is super important in this league is that winning begets winning. You start to believe that you can win and you will win in this league. Now there'll be nights where you just don't. You either don't have your legs or the other team's better. But right now. And it also can go really fast the other way. But what you end up seeing, I mean, there's a Portland team a few years ago. There's the Phoenix team a few years ago. You see these teams get going for a period of time. And then and they really believe for an extended stretch. And then they can basically play 500 the rest of the year. And they're still above 500. Um, the Jazz are verging into that territory where they are into this game of like, they really if they really believe what they're doing, which they clearly do as a collective group, and understandably so, um, and and depth to who they are, um, 
then they this this begets these each win is begetting another win. Last night they played a nine man rotation. Eight of the nine, Abaji being the one who is not yet, have clearly defined themselves as NBA rotational players. So this team has great depth. The bench was great last night. Sexton Beasley made big plays last night. Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, there's a there's a lot of reason why these guys believe. Like you you put out a different lineup at a different time, and these guys and, and there's a lot of different combinations that they're playing. And Will's playing the combinations beautifully, and those combinations are yielding benefit on each individual matchup in a different way. And then I go back to the conversation I had with Taylor Horton Tucker in the locker room the other day. He talked about playing for the Lakers and that your development as a player for the Lakers was how you were going to match LeBron and AD. So they want him to be a 3 and D guy. Well, not a very good three-point shooter. Here in Utah, which is understandable. Like, that's why the La- I'm not criticizing the Lakers here. Everyone else is doing that plenty. Um, the, what the, what instead, the Jazz are telling Taylor Horton Tucker is like, develop your game. All of it. And bring more to the table than you're bringing right now. What else can you bring for us? Um, that's, you know, that really is empowering as a player. Lowry's doing that right now. Taylor Horton Tucker's doing that. Like guys are Malik, you know, Will Hardy's comment about Malik Beasley last night was being a three point shooter only in this league is really hard. Like, can we get you some buckets out of offenses that aren't that hard? Last night he goes four of nine from three, but he also goes three of three on twos. Like, that makes a difference in your game. He shoots 7 of 12. He, he had a more realistic 3 of 9 night. Just, that's 1-3 either way for him. You know, then suddenly he's 6 of 12. He still feels good about himself. Being an exclusive 3-point shooter is really hard in this league. And that's where you see some of the cutting and the slashing and those kind of plays, and Beasley's making those beautifully. I mean, the Jazz are just playing a ton of different lineups, right? As I don't know if this is updated through last night. Our starting five has played 165 possessions. Our second mobile lineup has played 42, which is crazy good, which is Sexton, Clarkson, Markin, and Vanderbilt, and Linux. And then we have two lineups that have played 30 possessions after that, and that's it. So it's interchangeable pieces. And the ball's moving, and they're playing together, and they believe right now. And that's a huge part of it. The other thing that's going on is that Lowry Markin is just being an outrageous stud. And you've got to have that in the league, and I think this team is seeing that out of Lowry and really believes it Lowry in that regard. And we'll talk about that uh, when we continue. Today's show brought to you in part and by our friends over at betonline.net. BetOnline. Find all the latest odds, news, and scores from BetOnline. My friend, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I won't. A friend of mine. I think he, there's no reason why he can't bet on the NBA. He's like Olympic athlete, but doesn't mean he can't bet on the NBA. He's all fired up because he took the Jazz to make the playoffs. He's like, I'm going to win. Uh, NBA Futures, who's the latest championship odds over at Bet Online? Bucks at plus 575. Celtics plus 600. Warriors plus 700. Clippers, despite their poor start at plus 750. Suns at plus 1,000. Denver at plus 1,200. Finals matchups, that'd be a fun one to pull. The Utah Jazz over-under wins is now at 30.5. They've had to jack that number up a good deal uh, from where it was uh, before. Uh, NF, uh, NBA tonight, Warriors in the Heat is a pick 'em. 
Oklahoma City is a three-point favorite over Orlando. Phoenix is a four-point favorite over Minnesota. And Brooklyn's a point-and-a-half favorite over Chicago. Those are all at Bet Online, where the game starts. So, all of this kind of goes to the fact that Lowry can just make plays right now. Uh, this is a serious dude. Legit seven-footer with a tremendous array of skills. Last night was 31-11-2-4. 31 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 blocks, 1 steal. Um, and last And you're just seeing a different mechanism by which he scores. What's interesting to me is most NBA players have a go-to move that they have to have. I mean, last night he showed a 15-foot bank shot. The other night he showed a right-hand runner across the lane. The other few nights he's shown a left-hand runner across the lane. His three is obviously a huge part of his game. Um, He went through a little slump there. He was one for 10. Then he's promptly popped out of that one for 10 with a nine for his last, I think it's like 19, like 21 or something like that. Like, he's a great free throw shooter. So if he gets the line, uses power. He's probably not great when he straightens up on you and tries to dribble straight at you because he's so big that there's a lot of time. Okay, but he doesn't do that very often. He usually puts a shoulder and you takes you across the lane and then hits a running hook or he hits it on the other side or if he has a step on you, he's big and strong enough and he can get bumped and he can handle it. He's got an incredible ability to stop and hit the pull-up jumper in the middle of the lane. It's pretty amazing. And maybe... The lack of go-to move makes him even harder to guard. Uh, but he's the guy. And at the beginning of the year, when we talked about the things we want to see from each player and the skill we didn't want to forget, the thing we wanted to see out of him was big shooting quarters. Like, I didn't care if he went one for eight in a quarter. I wanted to see big shooting quarters. In other words, understanding his role and understanding there are times when you are supposed, you have to take over the game. Last night, in the third, when it got down to 10, he took over the game. Um, and if you kind of look at his shot distribution each quarter, he's doing a heck of a job. He took four in the first quarter the other night, which, you know, I would worry about, except for the fact we went 9 of 17 for the whole quarter, and he was just kind of getting into the flow. And it's interesting, on the second end, against second time we're facing teams, he's still getting his stuff. Third, second quarter, he goes bananas with all three threes. Third quarter last night, marketing goes 5 of 7 with 15 points. When they rallied, he rallied back. And the game's really over by the fourth quarter last night, which is incredible. Memphis is beaten up with sickness and everything else, but still. The other one on Lowry is, so playing Memphis the second time, he was better than the first time. Right? He had 23 the first game on 9 of 21. The second game was 11 of 15. Playing Denver the first game, he was had 17. The second game, he had 17. Almost similar exact lines. Houston game one, he had 14. Houston game two, he had 24. Really, really interesting to me that um, the that he's been better the second time we've played everyone. That that jumps out on the, of his ability to do that. Um, and tells you that kind of what we're watching... Shouldn't real? There's not a lot in his game that can be slowed down. 
that size, that length, that ability. Mike Conley getting the ball on the left side pick and roll. There's not a lot in that. There's a lot you can do off an open side pick and roll with Lowry Markkinen. Right? Even just give it, even if he just goes and posts a switch, Conley comes back, you space it out, he goes to work. That's the most boring. Conley plays it, Lowry pops, got him a corner three if they don't follow. Conley penetrates, Lowry pops, you're kicking. Conley rolls, Lowry rolls, Lowry kicks, Lowry finishes. It's a lot to it. That's the play they ran five times in a row. It's pretty impressive. All right. My last note. Um, we're actually seeing this team get more comfortable with each other. A lot of shooters that weren't shooting wells are now shooting better. Maybe that was just Memphis. Um, but Beasley was kind of off. Conley was kind of off. Markman's shooting was kind of off. Um, they all look more comfortable in understanding when they're getting their shots, which is also incredible about this, is these guys have just not played together. And so there's just a comfort zone of understanding where you're getting the ball, how you're getting the ball, and when, and what you're doing, and they're not, they're not worrying about it. Or that it, it hasn't come back to impede them from getting better. The last one is the most interesting thing to me on the Saturday game was the conversation by Will Hardy and by um, Taylor Jenkins about how impressively Memphis gets into their spacing in transition. Memphis was the number one transition team in the league last year, and what do they do? And Will Hardy talked about how Taylor Jenkins and Memphis are absolutely 100% committed to getting into their spacing early and how quickly they get into their spacing. Well, Taylor Jenkins and Will Hardy are super close. In fact, I think they both went to each other's weddings. And they're very good friends. And you know what the Utah Jazz do? They get into their spacing very quickly. It was interesting that we started the show the other night talking about Memphis doing it. But when I watched it on television, what jumped out to me was that the Jazz were doing it. The Jazz were getting into their spacing really, really fast. I may on the plane re-watch the game again and try to get some screenshots for you of that. It was super impressive to watch. So if we're trying to figure out some of the things the Jazz are doing that are surprising people and why, here's the answer. They're getting pace. They're spacing immediately. They're making a ton of threes. Winning begets winning. They're deep. Horton Tucker's good. They've got good players playing every position. Um, and, And they're solid at what they're doing. And they're playing collectively. And and that's your answer. All right, thanks for sticking with me today. It is Locked on Jazz. I'm excited to get back on the call and be with you from Denver. Have a great one. Or Dallas. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.